singing that song for you, Daddy, tonight. I woke up um, this morning, or not this morning, this week, uh, one morning, and that song was on my heart, and I could not get that song out of my heart, and uh, sang that song all day, and uh, then I woke up the next morning, and that song was on my heart, and all this week, that song has been just going through my heart, and so wanted to uh, wanted to hear that song tonight, and uh, I just appreciate uh, the the message uh, of that of that song. I want to before we um, get into the the scripture tonight um, and the the passage of scripture that uh, that we'll be uh, dealing with here, Luke chapter number eight, and we're going to to look at a storm uh, here tonight. But before we do, I just give you a, a bit of background. And as you know, I had been preaching and uh, preached. Um, much on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, just, uh, uh, it's evident that there is something different today. Just evident, there's something taking place. Um, there, is a, there is a globalist agenda that fits right into Revelation chapter 13. Uh, there are, I, I believe there's a, a war right now, spiritual war that is taking place. And by the way, globalism uh, goes all the way back to Nineveh and Babylon, and it was Satan's plan, and uh, nationalism was God's plan, if you look in the Bible, and uh, that, was, uh, uh, that was always God. God is the one that divided into nations, and, uh, and so God has done that. But there's a war that's taking place today, and it's a spiritual war. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the uh, spiritual wickedness in high places against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And uh, I may have switched that up a little bit, but uh, uh, there's a war. It's a spiritual war that is happening today. And I really believe that, that God is preparing his people. Uh, the Bible says that his church is, he loved his church. He gave himself for it, that he might present it to himself, uh, a holy church uh, without spot or wrinkle, unblameable. And uh, we preached uh, not long ago about the purging that takes place, and we talked about that from John chapter 15. Uh, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. Uh, but he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. And so the Lord purges his people. And uh, I have been praying for some time, and I'm just sharing my heart, I've been praying that God will do whatever it takes in my life and in this church and with my family, whatever it takes, that we would be ready for Jesus. And in that, uh, the Lord dealt with my heart. There's going to be some purging. And in my own life, I knew I needed that. And see, the Lord, you can be involved with good things that may not be the best and maybe good things that aren't fruitful things. And so sometimes the Lord purges, and I think David uh, purged some grapevines this year, and I told about a grapevine that uh, had grown wild, and uh, several years back he he cut that grapevine, and I thought after he cut that grapevine back, uh, that grapevine may die. And, uh, and then I thought it, it probably is going to take a few years to grow back and bear fruit. 
Well, that particular year, that grapevine bore more fruit than it has ever borne. It looked pretty ugly and gross for a little while, but the purging brought forth the fruit. And I want to be fruitful. I want to have a fruitful church. I want to be pleasing to Jesus. And whatever it takes to be pleasing to Jesus, that's what I want. And I believe that's the heart of many of you. I want to see God bring revival. I want to see something that it's not human flesh that brought it about, but it's the power of God and the touch of God and the presence of God and the hand of God. Because when that happens, no man can receive the glory. No church can receive the glory. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that's, as we preached this morning, high and lifted up and exalted. And he's the one before which every knee must bow. So I'm, I'm giving that just kind of an introduction here this evening. And I'm going to go back and just share a similar message that I preached many, many years ago. But the Lord just kept working this in my own heart. I said a couple of books, and I'm just going to advertise our bookstore a little bit. Weathering the Storm, Volume 1, and Weathering the Storm, Volume 2. Several years ago that uh, the Lord was dealing in my own life, and I picked these up. These are Brother Coral, and Brother Coral's preached here uh, several different times, and uh, these books are available. And these books will be a blessing to you as you go through some storms some difficulties, and uh, they, they will, some wonderful, wonderful principles uh, that are in these. And, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know if my thoughts, I, I read a lot. I like what Brother, uh, uh, Brother Host said, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be a reader, and that's very good, and uh, you need to learn to read and uh, need to read. And I like to read, and, uh, and so I, I picked these up, and they were so helpful to me back, back many, many years ago. And sometimes when I, when I preach, I, I don't realize that I'm, I'm actually preaching somebody else's message, and I don't know if it's in here or not, okay? Uh, so uh, it, I don't have anything original. Uh, I'm, I'm not the wisest guy down the, down the pike. And uh, I, so I, I find I, I don't have uh, a whole lot to give, but the Bible's good, and, uh, and I find that uh, it's important to read. And so a lot of times I... I find, oh, I, I, was, I preached a message one time in, in a, a preacher's meeting. And after I preached that message, um, I picked up a book, and it, it was a book by Brother Wilkins. And I'm reading through that, and I said, I just preached his message. And he was there at that meeting. And I, and I called Brother Wilkins up. That's before he moved here to Valley Bible Baptist. And, you know, I didn't even realize it. But I said, Brother Wilkins, I owe you an apology. And what, what is that? And I said, uh, well, I, I preached at that preacher's meeting. And, and I realized I, that it, it was a message uh, almost identical to what you preached. And, and he says, oh, it was an honor that you would use my material. And so I was so thankful for, for that and, and his response uh, there uh, to me. So understand that. Uh, sometimes you, you may look and say, that, where'd Pastor get that? So it wasn't his own idea. I guarantee you that. So let's take our Bible to Luke chapter number eight, if you would. 
And if you'll stand with me, if you're able to. And let's look here, beginning at verse number 22, Luke chapter 8, verse number 22. And uh, Luke chapter 8, verse number 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And I, I think it's interesting during the, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a lot of demonic influence and, and presence, and, and it just seems that the closer we come to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more demonic influence we're going to see and have to deal with, I think, in our nation, in our world. And I think we have wicked men uh, that are in powerful positions. And we understand we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's a war that's taking place in our world. And judgment begins at the house of God. God's preparing his people for something special. With that, I, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, thank you. You're so good, gracious. We look to you tonight. Lord, we sure do need you. And God, I, I pray here tonight uh, uh, just some very simple thoughts, but maybe something that can be of help to somebody tonight. And Lord, would you here tonight just take your word at the very point of need. And Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you. We admit that sometimes we don't have all the answers and we don't have the wisdom that we need, but God, we know that you have all answers, you have all wisdom, and it's you that we seek, it's you that we need, and it's your power and your touch that we long for. It's your purity that we want in our hearts, that we want in our church, and Lord, it's your presence that will guide us through these days. Would you have your, help, or your will in our hearts tonight and just minister, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this evening. And I want to just uh, go through and take us back to some of the, the introductory thoughts here. If you look in verse number 23, uh, this statement in the middle of the verse, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake. Now, this is the Sea of Galilee had the privilege in 2018 of going to the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, body of water. And uh, that Sea of Galilee is surrounded by, by mountains. And uh, it's real easy to, to picture. I think one of the greatest things I gained from that trip was just the geography. And, and so you can just, just picture 
uh, that, that sea, and uh, when we saw it was fairly calm, but uh, it stated that in a matter of 10 to 15 minutes, because of the mountains and storms and directions of wind, that in a matter of 10 to 15 minutes, it can go from a calm uh, to a very perilous situation. And that seems to be what has taken place. There came down a storm of wind on the lake. Now, as we go through the word of God, uh, often Jesus directed his disciples into the path of the storm. More than one occasion, they faced storms and uh, several different uh, times in the scripture. Uh, the storms came and some of these storms were, were so severe uh, that they felt that they would perish. And we have one such storm uh, in this uh, passage here this evening. Uh, I believe this with all of my heart tonight. There are no accidents with God. God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. No accidents in what he does and how he does it. He always has a purpose there are always lessons in the storms, and you'll find that God used the storms to make his disciples better Christians, but he always used the storm for his own glory. We should not be surprised when God takes us through a storm. Abraham had his storms. Uh, Moses, the backside of the wilderness, uh, the attacks even from his own people. David, fleeing from Saul. Joseph, thrown into slavery, falsely accused, placed in prison. Daniel, taken captive into the land of Babylon. Uh, Daniel, uh, then thrown into the lion's den. Paul. Acts 27 faced a storm, and Paul told often about the storms, I think thrice at sea, and uh, he was beaten and mocked and imprisoned, and Paul had his storms. The church at Jerusalem uh, was persecuted even by Saul before Saul became Paul, and they were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word of God, and storms are just going to be a part of your Christian life. I want you to, to keep your place here because uh, I, I want you to go quickly with me, if you would, to, to the book of James and just turn forward, but keep your place here. And, and this is just a principle that God has put throughout the Word of God. In James chapter 1 and verse number 2. James 1 verse number 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? How, how many of you love to go through temptations and trials? And here James says, uh, when that happens, count it all joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, James 1 verse 3. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, I like verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally. And in the midst of the storm, we, we often need wisdom that comes from God. Verse number 12. He said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, you go forward to 1 Peter chapter 1, and a lot said about difficulties in the book of 1 Peter, but 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, notice in verse number 6, 
He says, wherein you greatly rejoice. Do you notice this, that when you face the trials, he says, can it all joy? He says, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. And I noticed often uh, in the Bible as it speaks about the coming of the Lord, it talks about the Lord preparing his people for that coming. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12, we read, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And you see, again, the trial and the joy related together. And so as I uh, look through this, it, it, that's the part that blessed me, was to see uh, that trial that we don't like, but he says rejoice in that trial, and it brings forth joy. And he says in Hebrews chapter 12 concerning the chastening of the Lord, that it's not joyous for the morning but, or for the moment, but afterwards it yieldeth the people peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Now let's go back to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 8. And in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 8, there, there are uh, some, just some things, that uh, thoughts, just very simple thoughts. And I'm just going to throw these simple thoughts out before you tonight. And maybe this is something that uh, can be a help to you. If it's not a help to you right now, write these down. It may be a help to you sometime down the line uh, where you're going to need this. In fact, uh, uh, this message uh, that uh, I'm preaching tonight, I, I, I came back and it was something I, I, I take notes, and, uh, and it's just something It was helpful to me uh, again. And so take some notes, and it, it may come to, to be a help to you. And by the way, you can take anything I preach and use it anywhere you want and teach it or preach it uh, however you want to do, teach it in a Sunday school class. And you may be somewhere and teach something or preach something, and that preacher says, oh, that's mine. Where did you get that? And uh, they just say, my preacher gave it to me. Okay. So uh, some thoughts here. Uh, storms can come even when we're in the will of God. Okay? Storms can come even when you're in the will of God. They're a part of life. Both the saved and the unsaved are going to go through the storms. That's evident in Matthew chapter 7 where we have the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And we find that the rains descended both upon the wise and the foolish. And we find that the floods rose on both the wise and the foolish. And we find that the wise man's house stood. Why? Because he built and anchored upon the rock. And the difference between the two is that the wise man heard the word of God and obeyed the word of God. The foolish man heard the word of God and did not obey the word of God. But storms came to both of their lives. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse number 22 now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And what does it say? They launched forth. They did what he told them to do. They're in his will. They're obeying. And I tell you that when they got into that boat, he knew what they were going to sail into. They're in the will of God. Jesus directed them, let us go over to the other side. 
And the Bible tells us that he was with them. He went into a ship with his disciples. And you see, storms in our life do not always mean that we're out of the will of God. And I find that so often Satan will uh, come along and he's such a deceiver and a liar and and uh, God must not love you, or you must have uh, really, 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 really messed up. And yes, I understand that sometimes if we're like Jonah, and we're out of the will of God, God can send a storm to uh, correct us and put us back into his will. And uh, thank the Lord, I've had those kinds of storms before. And Acts chapter 27 is a storm where, where Paul is in the will of God, but he's experiencing a storm not of his own making, but because others refused the word of God in Acts chapter 27. And he goes through that storm, and uh, God allows him. But this is a storm where the disciples are doing what God told them to do. They're in the will of God. And uh, we tend to want the easy way, don't we? I do. Uh, I, I like candy. I like chocolate. I like dark chocolate. I like dark chocolate with almonds. I'm just making myself hungry right now. But that's not always what's best for us. And we would like to live a stormless life, but that's not always what's best for us. And the Lord in his sovereignty knows that. So we want to avoid the storm, but God may have designed the storm to grow you, to mold you, to teach you. Of course, we all know Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So storms will arise even when we're in the will of God. Now, there's a, another thought here. I think sometimes Satan may seek to use the storm to destroy God's purpose. Okay, what, what do you mean, preacher? See, Jesus had a purpose on the other side of the lake. He said, let us get into the boat. Let us go to the other side. Look in verse number 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. Here's on the other side of that lake a demon-possessed man. Uh, understand, here's a trophy of Satan. He's a wild man. He's, he's a man that no man could tame. He's dirty. He's grungy. He's no clothes, no home. He, he lived amongst the tomb. He's demon-possessed and demon-controlled. Uh, here's this man, and, and here's what I, I find. Satan does not easily let go of his trophies. Uh, that's why fasting, this kind cometh not out, but by fasting and by prayer. And Satan does not easily let go, and Satan, he's the god of the air, and you know, could it be that Satan and God, of course, uh, Satan is nothing more than God's messenger boy. I, I've already put and Satan has no power except God allows that. Uh, but it could it be that, that Satan brought the storm to keep Jesus from the other side, to keep him from setting this captive free? I, I found that Satan will do all he's allowed to do to destroy God's purpose and God's people. Remember the man Job? He was a righteous man, feared God, loved God. But look what happened to Job. God allowed that. Still God's in control, but God allowed that. Job went through many, many trials and difficulties in his life. 
Satan tried to destroy Jesus, I believe, in the garden before the cross. We have Jesus in the garden sweating, as it were, drops of blood. God has a, a purpose, I believe, for every one of us, and Satan will do all in his power to destroy God's purpose. That's why you need to be in the Word of God and, and be around the people of God. And the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And none of us can stand on our own. We, we cannot do it. Uh, there's no lone ranger Christianity. Uh, we need the Lord. We need each other in this battle. Uh, you know, I found that so often, and, and I've experienced this over and over so often before the greatest works of God come to pass, so often there's the biggest storm. And I find that over and over. You know, I know right now there are many of you going through trials and difficulties and storms and heartaches and heartbreaks. And I just believe it's an indication that God wants to do something new. And he wants to prepare you for something bigger than you have imagined. Let me give you a third thought. It may appear in your storm that Jesus is asleep. Again, look at Luke chapter 8, verse 23 says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. Now, there, of course, we know Jesus is God, but he was man. He kept a rigorous schedule. He preached, and he healed, and he taught, and he traveled from village to village and from place to place, and he spent long nights in prayer, and he often arose early in the morning, and he labored till late at night. And we find in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, after a long day of ministry, that he arose early in the morning before it was dawn. And so he was weary often, and here he's weary on this boat, and he slept. But while he's asleep, the storm raged. Seems the disciples did all they could. They're experts. These disciples have sailed that sea many a time. They know how to sail. They're experts. They did all they could, but try as they might. The storm raged on. The ship filled with water. The waves covered them. They were awakened, and, or they were distressed, and they awakened him. In the book of Mark, it's worded like this. And, and I, I think, Master, carest now not that we perish. We're about to die. And here you are, asleep. You see, they felt as if he didn't care. You ever felt that? You ever going through something and, Lord, you're asleep. Sometimes we feel that and we pray and we cry and he's silent. I went through a time, and I thank the Lord for it now. I didn't enjoy it at that time, but I went through a time in college. It was a storm, and he was asleep. He was with me. I didn't realize it, but I prayed. I kept reading my Bible. I keep going to church, but it just seemed like he was silent wondered, Lord, where are you? I was so lonely. Can't you see I'm about to die? I don't know if I'm going to make it through this, Lord. 
Where are you? And sometimes in the storm, it seems like he's asleep. During the storm, our situation may appear hopeless. Look in Luke chapter 8, verse 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. The boat is filling up. They're in jeopardy. I can just picture they, they think they're going to die. They're going to sink. Sometimes it gets that way in your life, and it appears hopeless, and the situation is bleak, and you know those winds are... Uh, purging and working against your life and they're, uh, they're beating against the boat and the waves, they're, uh, they're about to overflow you and they come above that boat and the boat is taking on water and you feel that way and you wonder, Lord, where are you? Where'd you go? Why, why don't you answer me? Why don't you hear me? Why don't you wake up? Remember the song that we sing sometimes, Master, the Tempest is Raging? I, I like that song. And the words of that song, no waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. Isn't that good? We forget that. We appear hopeless, but no ship can sink where Jesus lies. I'll give you number five here. Storms should cause us to seek Jesus. Look at verse 24. What did they do? They came to him. Isn't that a good place to go? And they awoke him. Now, the storms are designed to draw us to Jesus. And I thank the Lord. I look back on that college experience, and, and I was seeking the Lord. And just it seemed like a week after week and month after month. And, and one thing I, I will tell you is, and I thank the Lord for, for just the grace during that time, uh, during that time, don't quit reading your Bible. Don't, don't quit praying. Don't quit going to church. Don't quit doing right. You just do what you already know to do and keep seeking the Lord. And, and he's there. Don't give up. He's there. He knows what he's doing. And I thank the Lord for the grace during that time. But, you know, I, I find they're designed to draw us to Jesus. But to get into the Word of God, I have many a time taken the Psalms. And read through the life of King David as David is, is fleeing from Saul. And we ought to seek the Lord through the word of God. Uh, see, seek him in prayer. Later in the chapter, uh, there's Jairus. He's got a, a sick daughter and he came to Jesus later in Luke chapter 8. And, and then there's the woman that had the hemorrhage for 12 years. And what did she do? She, she came to Jesus. And that's what we ought to do. You're facing a storm. Jesus is there. And even though he may be silent, seek him. And ye shall seek him and find him when you shall search for him with all of your hearts. And so the storm is designed to cause you to seek the face of the Lord. I read the, the biography of Adoniram Judson and uh, used greatly of the Lord in, in Myanmar now, with Burma. But you read through the life and some of the things that he endured. And I, I, read, I read of the, the trials and the storms of his life. I feel so weak in comparison. And then uh, my wife shared with me just today how in the church there, her mother-in-law ate eight funerals uh, just in the month of May and, uh, and just thus far. And they're going through a storm. And, you know, sometimes others have gone through some things uh, also. 
Adoniram Judson, he went through a time of depression after the death of his wife, and he prayed, and he read his Bible, and where was Jesus, and there was no comfort, there was no peace, and questioning why did God allow all of this. But God brought him through, and God taught him some lessons, and then God used him in a greater way than he had ever imagined, and the Lord prepared him through the storm for something even greater. So just keep seeking him. He, again, he won't let the ship sink where he lives, where he sails. And he's aboard the ship. Number six, this is where I'm at. Storms will often reveal the frailty of our faith. Look at this, verse 24. They came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm, and he said unto them, Where is your faith? They really thought they were going to perish. Now, do you think that Jesus would allow one of his own to perish? Never. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. And he says, I, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. That's his promise to us. And and Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith, and he often rebuked their unbelief. And yet, though he rebuked them, it's so blessed to see how he patiently, patiently, patiently taught them. Many times, uh, just like those disciples, we forget that he's with us. We get our eyes off of Jesus. We get our eyes onto the storm. And we forget and we think that we're out of his reach and we're about to to perish and we forget again that statement that no waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of the ocean and earth and skies. Now we're filled with unbelief, doubts, fears. They possess our souls. Sometimes Jesus rebukes us. I thank the Lord for that. Sometimes we see the giants. We're like the children of Israel. We see those giants. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And we forget, like Joshua and Caleb, if God be for us, who can be against us? And he's bigger than the giants. We forget that. And we see the impossibilities instead of walking by faith. And Jesus wants us to rest in the midst of the storm, to trust in the midst of the storm. It's okay because he'll get us to the other side. Now, how often, again, back to college, in those days, how often he taught me this in college and how little was my faith. Remember the, those days, uh, I, I had no money for college bills. I had no money at times to put gas in my car. And I can look back now, I was a worry wart, and I can look back now and not one time did God ever fail me? Not one time. Every bill was paid. There was a man in my church that it just seemed he knew when to call me. And he said, hey, I, I need some work on Saturday or need some work on this day. And it was amazing because it always worked with my school schedule. And he, at that time, paid very well. And uh, it took care of me so often. 
just God at the point, at last minute, last second, took care of every need. God took, taught me some things during that time that prepared for faith promise and for missions and giving to missionaries and for building buildings and for doing things that we couldn't do, but God can do. And so he teaches us and goes with us. I want you to notice something here in verse number 22. He says, let us go unto the other side of the lake. What does verse 26 say? And they arrived. Where? At the other side of the lake. You see, when he, when he put them on that boat, he said, we're going to go to the other side. What did he do? He got them to the other side, didn't he? Now, there was a little storm in between, and he was asleep in that storm, but he did exactly what he told them he was going to do. His promises are always true. Should we ever doubt, And even though the storm comes in between? And by the way, there's a perfect illustration of salvation in this. Do you know the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he comes into your boat and he lives with you? And do you realize that he has promised you eternal life? He's going to get you to the other side. Uh, that can never be taken away. You will never perish. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. That's his promise unto you. And if you know Jesus Christ, he comes into the boat. And now along the way, there are going to be some storms and some battles and some wars that you're going to fight. But where is it going to get you? To the other side. That's a wonderful illustration. So storms often reveal the frailty of our faith. Uh, I like this. Look at verse 24. Storms give Christ an opportunity to reveal his power. Verse 24. They came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, rebuked the wind, the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. What power? What authority even the winds and the waves would obey his will the gospel of mark says he he simply spoke peace be still and and i believe that that sea went from a place of storms and waves to suddenly glass and calm and uh, it was not by degree it was instantaneous and only the lord could do that he spoke and it was so as he said and we don't like the storms they show the power of God in such a way that we never would have seen without the storm. He realized that had the Lord not allowed this storm, the disciples would have never seen that miracle. I ask you the question, would you, would you rather go through to the other side without a storm and not have the opportunity to see the miracle? Wouldn't you like to see the miracle? And don't you think it was where, I think afterwards uh, they, they were saying, wow, that was neat. We, we went through the storm, but look what we saw. We, we saw the power of God as a result. I, I've seen the Lord answer prayer and do the impossible when all hope was gone. It seems like at that lowest point, that's when God wants to show himself. That's so real. I, as you well know, love Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, and, and all the battles that Jehoshaphat faced, a point of hopelessness, but God did one of the greatest miracles in the Bible in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Acts chapter 27, Paul was in a storm, and he said all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. 
And, and he got along with God, and God revealed himself and saved the entire ship, and the miracle came about. Let me give you another thought here. When the Lord gives victory, our, our love and admiration, our trust for the Lord should be increased. Look in chapter 8, verse 25. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, look at this, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Uh, he's a God-man. He's not an ordinary man. This is God. This is all power in him, and uh, speaking that word. And sometimes Christ reveals him through the storm, or reveals himself through the storm, and, and we just have to sit back and say, wow, wasn't he good? That was God. As somebody said the other day, that was a God thing. And uh, maybe in that next storm, then, we have a little bit more faith than we had in this storm. And if he's done it for us once, why not again and again and again and again? Uh, the wilderness journeys of the children of Israel. Look at what he did for them over and over, and yet they continued to murmur and complain and doubt. And, and yet he designed those things to prepare them for the promised land because there were some giants in the promised land. He was preparing them to go into the promised land. Let me give you one last thought here tonight in this. And often great opportunities of ministry arrive after the storm. As we pointed out, on the other side was the demoniac of Gadara. It's a wild man. No man could tame him. Chapter 8, verse 26, it says, They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time. And near Jesus, there's ministry, and he cleanses this man, and he made him whole again. On the other side of your storm, there's a ministry. There's somebody that needs your help on the other side. And you have to go through the storm before you can get to the other side. And it's through that storm that you're going to be prepared for that ministry on the other side. The storm will help you to understand what it is to be pressed out of measure, as Paul said, and uh, to see there's no end to the waves and to uh, be lonely and forsaken and betrayed sometimes and despised. And, and that's what sometimes that storm will do. But on the other side of that, there's somebody that you can help, that you wouldn't have been able to help had you not gone through what you went through. You mentioned college. I still look back. I was surrounded by crowds, but I was lonely. And I often wondered, where's Jesus? Why didn't he respond to my, my prayers? Felt like I didn't fit in. Often cried out for his power. I watched as a lot of friends got out of church. I remember my freshman year, the pastor of the church said, uh, if this is an average group of college students going through this college and in this church, by the time you get to your senior year, one out of every two will have fallen by the wayside. It was worse than that. I, I don't know that one out of five were still faithful at the end. Often I cried out, Lord, I can't do it. But I thank the Lord now for that. Uh, it was that preparation that I needed for what I'm doing now. And I thank the Lord 
as I look back, the storm prepared me. See, on the other side, there is a bunch of demoniacs of Española. And they need the Lord. And I'm grateful that God has allowed me to be here. My heart's here, and I cry out sometimes for the lostness and the need here of our valley. And I see that many of you are going through some things. And it could be God's preparing you and us for something on the other side as we get through this walking with God. He's with you. He's preparing you. Storms come even when you're in the will of God. That's verse 22. Satan may try to use the storm to destroy God's purpose. In verse 27, there was that purpose. And it may appear that Christ is asleep during your storm. That's in verse 23. And during the storm, the situation may seem hopeless. That's in verse 23. They were taking on water, about to sink. A storm should cause you to seek Jesus. In verse number 24, they came and woke him up. And storms often reveal the frailty of our faith. The Lord rebuked their unbelief. And storms give Christ an opportunity to show his power. They saw the miracle they would never seen had it not been for the storm. And, and then when the Lord gives the victory through the midst of the storm, it, it ought to build our love and our faith and our admiration for the Lord Jesus Christ. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and waves obey his will? And beyond that storm is a great opportunity. And so I hope that helps you as it helped me. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord.